say it now, Chris has an uncommon homebrewed item. It's going to break the level 13 gameplay. Hell yeah, baby. Let's go. That's, that's going to be the thing that does it. I'll learn my character better by next week, but I have a pretty good grasp. Um, well, we only gave you, like, seven months to figure it out, so, like... Ah, uh, do you know me? It's really, it's, it's really it's our not, fault. Yeah, it's not your fault at all. Uh, do you know me? Yeah. Unfortunately, I do. In the defense <laughs> of Noah, it probably took him more prep to make that character than it did for me to whatever I did in the last seven months. You can't possibly know that. You don't know how much time I spent on this. Bag of holding. He just, it was very he's little. just having so much difficulty wrapping his head around using a spell that doesn't do damage. It, like, gives damage back to my friends? It's negative damage? No, I already marked my calendar. He prepared, what he prepared healing spells today. Is, I, I prepared Kray so wow. many healing spells. Todd, when you die, I'm not resurrecting you. Is that siren in this music or outside? And then I'm gonna give Bardic Inspiration to Noah. You're not playing a, a multi-class bard for once. Calm down. <laughs> Your bonus action is spiritual weapon. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I know. Ugh. Should I put pants on yet? Okay, but can my spiritual weapon look like a bass guitar? How, how do we start this? I'll punch you in the throat. I don't know, I'm not the DM. Fuck! Uh, no, it's the joke of the session. I would assume since you weren't reading your character sheet, you were just spending so much time thinking of the joke of the session. Well, guys, he's pretending his he's pretending his camera froze to get out of it. <laughs> he's just gonna play a fire alarm noise from his phone. Uh-oh, guys, uh, something's burning down. Well, I got a job offer today, okay? I was busy. Oh, look at Noah. He's going to strap his job helmet on. If you get the, the job offer, that's the easy day. There's nothing to do there. If you were like, I had a job interview today, then I'd be like, oh, you had things to do today. You just got a phone no, call. I have, to, I have to do background check stuff. Shut up. You don't know. You don't know me. But baby, I know it. We're about to when we get those background checks back. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, are I you going to make it through a background check? You're on this podcast. Yeah, as I say, I probably we did a background I probably check. Have some... There's audio of you saying you should mail explicit items to senators' homes. No, I probably have some unpaid parking tickets. I don't know. I've had seven months to figure out how to restart this, and I'm still gonna wing it. So, so our heroes met meeting by chance in a cell and meeting a new companion weeks later, far from their homes. Balthiel Stormhall, Gardor, is it Gruel? What was right. it? 
There was Gruel. Yeah. Gardor Gruel, Willow Cedarbrook, and Varys Gallandal. You traveled the British Islands in an effort to stop fiends from the lower plains. Um, the, com- the combination of demons and devils who want to bring the Timeless Blood War to the Material Plane by corrupting elemental rifts and destabilizing the threshold between the planes. After securing the primal rift of air and with the loss of your companion, Ferris Gallandell, whose sacrifice sent another devil from this plane back to where they belong. Elsewhere, at another point in time, the new crew of the Grizzly Gale is returning to Dragon Isle. But tonight, our our story is going to start with a different ship. One traveling cold and misty seas north from Ireland. On the ship, the three remaining heroes answering a apparent court summons for Willow Cedarbrook to appear before the summer court in the Feywild. You stepped through a door and a few cabins away, Oliver, a young boy, now, after the time that's been closing on the early years of manhood, here's a door close and heads down the hallway uh, to your triage center, Gordor. And he pushes it open and about the time he sees this empty space, the first cannon is heard and the impact shatters the inside of this hold. But far to the west of these events and much deeper below the waves we see a massive trench, the Mariana largely uncharted by any of the mortal races even the Triton and the Merfolk that call the Atlantic home we dive deeper and light begins to fade. And we find a solitary triton making his way between pads, volumes of vellum in his arms as he attempts to plot that which has been unplottable up till now. In the depths of the Mariana Trench, with thin streams of bubble, bubbles leaving the gills from your neck and heading upwards to the sky, 
Corvos, uh, do you want to describe your character? Yeah, Corvos Lunolith is a Triton of the Sea who's also a cartographer. His main job for his people is to um, use his abilities and his magic uh, trident of fish command to get the life of the sea to aid him in his travels. Whether that be to get to a far off distance or to hastily get away from some sea monster or shark or something that wants to uh, attack him. But any he, as Jed said, uh, his latest goal is to map the Mariana Trench. He's a nice, well built, you know, average height, heighted male with this uh, gray blue skin and uh, blonde hair uh, wears this uh, heavy heavy plate on the top half of his armor with the adorned shoulders of conch shells of these forged ma- uh, metal conch shells and with his uh, just very very like teal eyes um always seems expressionless um he's very serious and takes uh everything he does with pride he's quick to he like part of the seriousness he's also quick to assume that others are lying um and that or they're trying to cheat him or the sort and he's quite the perfectionist also um he's trained to be a cartographer has his uh his magic utensils in order to actually you know take note of this stuff underwater and go ahead you're doing this this craft that you've refined over a long career you are reaching out to the sparse aquatic life that dwells at this depth. And those that respond seem off. You are a solitary person and something about this offness still seems familiar but you're not sure how and you find yourself scaling a ridge and you're checking the maps the rough drafts of your predecessors who once attempted this feat in your youth And it's not making sense. The ridge that is supposed to be here is not here. But it's a little dark to make out why. I glance back down at my notes. Kind of scratch my head. 
Um, am I deep enough where it's pretty much just black in every direction I look? Yes. You, you the are rest, adapted. You see that. Yeah, you are... You're not bold enough to leave... To go into the open water, as your people would call it. Especially at this depth, because there's no knowing what's out there. And the fish aren't responding well to you. But you're on a rocky outcrop. I just try to look around ever more intently as I finish writing my notes about the, the, the ridge. I try to call out once again to see if there's any uh, aquatic life near me. Previously wasn't here. There is a response. The smallest ping. It's an anglerfish. You can almost, maybe with the knowledge that it's there, you can almost see the faint light many meters below you. But much like many of the other fish in this area, the response seemed wrong. Because for years you've done this, and you've heard fish with the intelligence of yourself, maybe some more. What you're getting back isn't a response, it's a scream. Scream of pain. And as you're watching, four bright lights that just blind you. Strictly out of contrast at this depth. Green, red, red, green. And this light that fills the space and as you start to try to focus your eyes, that same screaming that you heard, you begin to feel rising in your own chest, in your own mind. You, The legends of your people know of ancient terrors from the age of creation. Primordials. You don't know if what you saw that day was one of these. But it's the only thing short of a god that you believe could carve such a wound in the trench and lead you back to your people. Out of what you don't know as you collect yourself in the temple of your order. Out of fear, out of concern, out of just worry. You traveled and you saw the fields of your people browning out of season. Waters that should be cold, now warm. Currents that have died and trade with them. The head paladin of your temple speaks of elves on the shore. The Golgori. With which the Triton hold an agreement known as the Atlantic Concord. It's your people's duty to report these events to them. Why do you think Corvo said yes?
to being this Envoy. Envoy. That emissary? Yeah, I think this word. Said yes because of what he's thought and what he's seen. And because that he wants to use he thinks this is greater than just his people. Even though he prioritizes them. And his generosity leads him to believe that this will benefit the world in more ways than one. This won't save just his people. It'll it'll be for everyone else, too. He hopes the world sees it that way also. Write that down, write that down. This isn't a selfish act. He trusts the uh, the head priest chose him for a reason. Far to the east in a land called Germany we see as the sun begins to rise the inside of a mildly luxurious apartment someone that made more with less um comfortable seating cushions curtains and drapery and as the sun spills out over a bed we see a young half-elven woman with brunette hair and a heavy-set red-skinned bearded and hairy tiefling and wedged between them callisto could you describe your character and maybe what you would look like once you got ready callisto uh she's a fallen asimar so um passes as humanoid but uh Touched by some evil force as a child. Um, so her skin is dark gray. Her eyes are inky black. With, If you look closely, you can see a reflection of the cosmos in there. Um, she has a long, flowing black gown, almost silken. Again, studded with starlight. Uh, elbow-length um, black gloves. And, yeah, just a very imposing figure um 62 and um yeah you're the tallest in this bed the tallest in this this harem but as the light's spilling across your eyes your your two companions they stir a little but they don't awaken in this moment as you begin to open your eyes You feel, not for the first time in your life, just a head-splitting pain that seems disproportionate for the hangover you expected today. Softly get out of bed. Um, Go over to... You can almost say um, a little shrine-like area and start holding a uh, sapphire pendant and meditating praying after downing two glasses of water you settle into your meditation 
this disproportionately warm for this season. You have kind of the doorway to an outdoor patio, balcony, whatever you want to call it, open. You begin to meditate, and the pain in your skull begins to ebb a little bit. But it, you're finding it hard to concentrate. And a breeze enters the space, but it's more the chiming of an ornament outside uh, that brings you back. And what flutters in is a single raven's feather caught on the wind that just settles down on this beautiful throw rug that you just have here that really just ties the room together. I get up without waking my partners, grab staff and a cloak, and I decide to make my way towards the temple. The local temple in this city is one not dedicated to a single god, but there you speak with the the acolytes that attended, and you are shown to a space with a single basin of water, and it's a circular room, and in the center there's a basin of water, and there are just walls of wax of candles lit that have burned down through the ages. New ones have been set. But you're left in this space to practice as you wish. Is it still dawn? The sky's purple. Okay. At this point, that's overcast. That's how I want to describe it. Alright. Well, I uh, get to work with my prayer wheel. I don't know, I'm just trying to commune, trying to find the source of this throbbing. This, it's not hard to identify the source of this. It's rather obvious to you as a, as a practitioner of balance, deity to Prosopina, the goddess of life and death and passage. Um, colloquially known in this space as the Raven Queen. Something is out of balance. Someone is not where they should be. You don't know why. You know it lies to the north, the northwest of you. You think there will be more omens to lead you. But a soul stuck in the ethereal, and it seems you're the only one that knows, other than assumedly the soul. Assumedly the person who put it there. I'm gonna spend my day um, around the temple doing pittances helping where I can, wait for twilight, and then, as I'm looking for uh, omens, just take off north, northwest. Okay. We see, in the forests of Wales, a 
stone, a brownstone temple that peeks out over the tops of the trees. Um, and the ridges that make up Wales. You pass through these trees and make your way into a very familiar space. And fuck you, Callisto, because Dayfair, could you describe yourself as you enter this clearing and see this great forest temple? And also, the familiar faces that you haven't seen in 30 years that turn at your approach. Yeah, Dayfair is this tall, well-built, blue-skinned giant kind of brushing aside smaller trees as he pushes through the forest. Um, He's not wearing armor, um, but he does have a large shield. Um, Nothing he's wearing is metal. He's all very, you know, wood, leather, and all those kind of things. And he has these two large, white standout tattoos in the back of his hand. Um, and he just looks like if you had a catalog of a druid, like he picked all the clothes out of the catalog to put on. Um, and walks, you know, that like CEO posture as they walk to the boardroom. That like, okay, this is my domain. Um, this is where I'm in charge. And so uh, this is, I believe, his first time returning to his kind of secluded temple since he left more than almost three decades ago. So these are his, you know, fellow hermits and sages and scholars and religious experts, like this kind of secular community that was, um, these minds kind of gathered out in the woods. Led by signs, you returned here with questions, you reconnect in the days that follow with those scholars that have traveled here as well. And knowing the stars in the sky, almost second nature at this point, you know this is the exact time that your nomadic family will also pass through the space. What story, what stories, if any, do you share with them around a campfire and a warm mug of blackberry mead with these great furbolg half-giants? Um, he, having been gone for 30 years, I think, kind of like... A kid going, you know, a, a mid-20-year-old going back to their high school reunion just kind of hits the highlights. So all the greatest things he's done, he wants to appear as impressive as, as he possibly can. So he tells of his greatest achievements, you know, his fiercest battles. Um, and he pulls off this large, bound packet of scrolls off of his back and is flipping through them and um, talking about, oh, here, this is where um, the constellation of Capricorn dictated that this was my necessary action. As I interpreted the heavens, they led me to this great battle and all these things. Um, so I think trying to just 
show them all of these great and mighty things that he has accomplished since he left all those years ago. Can you give me, I want to say a persuasion or a performance, but are you hiding anything in this moment? Um, I think he's more so just saying the best things he's done and purposely not talking about the bad things. So I guess it's, it's kind of like lies of omission. Um, so just trying to basically sell the best version of himself to these people that he hasn't seen for 30 years. So can you give me a deception in this moment? That is a nat 20 for my first roll. That's okay. Because as a furbolg coming home to a high school reunion with a passive perception of 25, it's interesting what the passive perception of the elders of your people might have. And your stories regale the young and your peers find begrudging respect for the feats of which you bear many trophies. And as the fire dwindles, an elder approaches you and asks you to sit with him, and as is the custom, you, you oblige. And he asks you of the great destiny that you had foreseen many years ago, and what brought you home before you felt like you had achieved it. Oof. Um, you mind, this is effectively the... Yeah. He's seen you as a boy. He saw you grow. And Furbolgs, like, culturally can't really lie. So I think all this time he's been kind of just... That's why he hasn't been lying. He's just been, oh, here are all the great things I've done. Um, so this being directly confronted, he just kind of... <laughs> I mean... Um, yes, about that. Um, well, I haven't done it yet. You know, there, I was so busy doing so many amazing things that, um, I haven't found the amazing thing. You know? Do you? <laughs> do you have any idea how frustrating it is to just be told you're going to do something awesome and awe-inspiring, and then that's all the instructions you get? I've killed like 45 things that were the last of their kind, and none of it was it. None of it was that thing. So I guess I'm... I'm, st I'm not giving up. I'm still... I will complete my destiny, but do you have any hints? <laughs> he does laugh. It, a very deep belly laugh. He says, Oh, to be young. Well, well, you were out seeking your destiny. Another destiny began with us not long after you left, and he goes on to tell you of this changeling child they pulled from the river, um, who they grew to become, 
and he begins to tell you of this mission that the Emerald Enclave had sent this changeling on. And pulling the holes in your stories together, he draws the parallels with the strange monsters you have met. Things that shouldn't be here, corrupted by energy from a place far below. Yes. I knew the stars led me back here for a reason. And I saw... I saw a dimming of the light. I knew there was a great evil. This must have been it. This... This must be my destiny. To defeat... I must be the one to defeat this great evil. Only I can do this thing, of course. Well... If you feel so strongly, you, our new changeling sibling, might be beating you to the punch, so might want to check with the Emerald Enclave. <laughs> Never. He can't defeat me. What's it, what is this thing's name? Well, they. Pronouns are important, eh, fair? Thing is not a pronoun. Uh, Willow Cedarbrook. Willow Cedarbrook. Though, you know, we really need to stop eating mushrooms so regularly because they had this bracelet with this name on it, and we 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 really just we just found it again. You want me to give him a bracelet? Oh no, that's that that's for them when they get here. But yeah, oh. we we probably really should have told them that a long time ago. Okay. Not sure what that has to do with me. We were talking about me. But um okay, Willow Cedarbrook. My new nemesis. <laughs> They're family, but yeah, go go find the Emerald Enclave. And we cut. We see the striped tents of the Night Circus once again. Filled with a morning's mist. It's close to closing time for the Night Circus. As it runs through the darker times of the day. And we hear laughing of revelers and not heard over the laughter is a child's scream. And we see a young girl, her toy in the mud, and we see two boys wrestling young boys. Teenagers. And this girl continues to scream as this boy on top past reason. And we see a crowd of faceless silhouettes 
shouting, accusing. This boy's pulled off of this body. And this boy, blood on his hands, is pulled by the crowd until another hand, not rough, but gentle, and you see the ringmaster of the circus. You don't know what he says, but with a wave of his hand, you see the life return to this boy on the ground. No harm. No foul. This ringmaster, a purple skin tiefling, says to the crowd, and they disperse. And this tiefling looks down at you, Linus, and he says, Welcome home. And Linus, you awaken in your wagon. Now, I've lost my thread of thought. You are now you, as you see your character, if you would like to talk about the space, um, what you look like. Uh, so coming to <clears throat> the eyes flash open, these piercing red eyes as he comes into this space, and we see a human of a shorter frame standing at roughly five foot four, though he's probably seated in sort of a slouching position because he was just asleep. Um, he's wearing what he's commonly seen wearing, which is a uh, leather coat with a hood of, the, of a deep red color. And the coat kind of continues down to his ankles in a, in a cloak-like fashion, but unlike Balthiel's trench coat, it, it doesn't really button in the front. It's not meant to connect, so it just kind of flares a bit when he walks. Um, beneath the coat, we see fine leather uh, vestments that are similar shade of red to um, his overcoat. And uh, beneath the vestments, he wears this sort of dressier type of affair, um, these white and cream-colored trousers, and then a sort of dressier shirt beneath the, his vestments. Um, these appear to be, from a distance, sort of the trappings of a soldier, but uh, it's hard to spend time around Jinx without getting some sort of some style um, injected into your life. And so, uh, in stark juxt juxtaposition to his more put-together uh, outfit. Um, his hair is just a mop of this white, shaggy bedhead that often hangs down in front of those piercing red eyes. And despite the the coldness that seems to come off from his, his piercing gaze, um, it develops into more of a... He's, he's, he's very calming... And, and is often very tempered and uh, just kind of exists in space without overreaction and emotion. He's, he's very, very calm, but to onlookers it might come off as very cold and, and, and uh, resting bitch face, for lack of better words. Um, but he awakens in this space and uh, remembering uh, something from his past. The risk of... Just railroading you with a cue, how would Linus maybe start his day? Um, In this moment, you know that your your guardian's been gone for a couple days without word. Um, Linus doesn't really have any sort of specific routines, um, but 
His dreams don't often include things from his past, so he's a little, even for Linus, a little confused. Um, so we see he just stands, sighs ever so slightly. Um, he grabs a belt that has two blades that crisscross in the back across his the the back of his waist as he starts to to buckle it um he's rarely seen without these blades on his belt um and he sort of just uh lingers in his cabin putting on whatever extra bracelets and stuff that he wears um before opening the door to the wagon and uh stepping out into the night circus is it daytime or nighttime it's that dark before dawn. Sun beginning to rise. Purple sky to the east. It's, I assume it's quiet and there's like no one like kind of walking about or what's the... It's closing time. The last of the patrons are making their way out. You, not one for theatrics, but more muscle, your your day shift. Sure. Uh, You've... So, yeah, so so definitely Linus is... In his mind, he is just essentially just going for a walk, trying to clear his head and, um, and, and stay out of the way. So he mainly keeps to the shadows, and we see that he's he's very specifically avoiding human contact where, where, wherever possible. But he also keeps sort of a watchful eye as he's moving along, perhaps... As people are leaving the night circus, if there are people who have had a little bit too much to drink or are lingering a little bit too long, maybe getting a little fresh with the talent, he's he's very watchful of, of those types of people in case there needs to be some sort of intervention. But otherwise, he keeps to the shadows, and uh, he's sort of just doing his rounds as this is the end of a typical night at the night circus. Um, but he's also, he's going to make sure that his rounds end at some spot in the area that makes him feel more at ease, more at peace. If there's anything like that. Maybe a familiar space. So you have been here canonically, I think it's five or seven years. I think it's seven years, if I remember how old your character is. It's 26. I, it doesn't matter. I was just thinking, like, mid-20s. But. Yeah. This, you've been in the circus for at least half a decade. You know the patterns. What you don't actually find in the circus, you find at the top of a nearby hillock. A great oak tree struck by lightning that splits in the middle and you're able to climb it and kind of just clamor and find a cozy spot. And at this altitude, you can kind of see the circus down below you. Your home that took you in. Your family that you didn't know you would get it. And as you're doing this, you're seeing lights and wagons dim down as the sun gets a little higher. And 
knowing the pattern, knowing the formation of the circus, and from a space, you see one light that doesn't go out, and it's one that you haven't seen lit in almost a week. Do I recognize what this wagon is, or...? It's, it's Jinx's. Yeah, so, uh... Linus's face doesn't change, but his, like, demeanor sort of changes as he just kind of uncharacteristically sits up straight. Um, and then he very, very quietly, uh, alights to the ground out of the, out of the tree, and not, not running, not with any sort of, like, extreme haste, but walking more quickly than he was before on his rounds, um, starts making his way to this wagon. And then, the... uh, as he approaches it, I don't know if, if you're, you're gonna do anything before he gets there, but, like, once he gets there, he... He thinks about just going in, but then you see him pause, and then he knocks, but like in a weird fashion. Yeah, the steps creak under your feet as you make your way up, and you hear multiple voices. All assumedly male. Um, on the inside. Um, and you give a quick knock. Knock. And the voices come to a halt. And you hear, well, before you knock, you had seen a raven kind of take flight off the roof of this wagon as you approached, and you hear a voice. Linus, love, I was expecting you. You don't have to knock. Well, I wasn't really expecting you, so... And he just takes the doorknob and opens the door, steps into this space. See the larger-than-it-should-be interior of Jinx's cabin with cushions and shit everywhere and hammocks and incense and fuckery. You also see in the space Corvos and Dayfair. Um, fresh off of a travel, fresh off of trips that have brought you from Limerick for you... Uh, Corvos, after speaking with the Golgori, who seemed to be amidst some strange ritual involving a fuckton of clay at the bottom of the tornado that, you know, makes up Limerick. Um, they sent you to the Night Circus, seeking Jinx Morrison, the ringmaster. And Dayfair, for you, fresh off One of your first and maybe not your last train rides in your life uh, that brought you to the nearby city of Don't Worry About It Right Now. Is that Welsh? Maybe. <laughs> but part, part of the story is me actually getting these four oscillating dildos at our timelines to meet at the right point. So don't worry about what city you're at. But you took a train ride after under the direction of the Emerald Enclave and you were taken to the train station by a man named Darwin Watts who, as the train was departing, you saw a rather well-armored elf approach him in this train station as these two figures faded. But you now find yourself 
with Jinx Morrison, this Triton, and this seemingly human that you've never met. But you see that the Ringmaster seems comfortable with this new arrival, both you and Corvos. So, uh, Linus, 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 doesn't really, Linus doesn't really turn his head to either of them, but those that are like looking at him, you can see that he just sort of flicks his eyes to take in everybody that's in the room. You've been gone for a couple of days. Now you've brought back strangers. I didn't bring them. Um, these two uh, fine drinks of water right here got here not long before, not long after I did. From the people of Wales, this is Dayfair. Yeah, that was a very long pause. I am uncomfortable. Hello, little <laughs> ones. I'm sure you've heard of me, but if you haven't, hi. It's just like big, like TV host smile. There's a cut in that moment. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that just, that kind of just works for this. Callisto. Yes. A journey that took several months. Whatever your feelings of travel bring you cresting over a hill in wherever the hell you are. I won't even give you an island right now. You see the familiar sight of tents, black and white and spiraled. Each of them capped with a red flag. You see this poking out of a sea of mist. You know where you are. You know who you're looking for. Mm -hmm. This is not the first time. I uh, shake my head. Not excited about interaction with this carnival of chaos. And I go down. I look to hail Jinx. You're directed to his wagon. Like, how do you approach this wagon? I just come up and I knock. Yeah, Dayfair, you can hear the footsteps from far away. If you want, you might alert Jinx that someone's going to be at the door. But I don't know what your character does, because we've got a whole new cast. But there's a knock at the door, Dayfair, as you're talking about yourself in this moment. Uh, when Linus, you're, you got like your back to the door as the closest. When the when there's the knock, Linus, without looking at the door, just kind of opens it, and then after it's already opened, just like casually turns his head back to see who it is. I am interrupting. Well, I'm not really sure what's going on right now. So, oh, sounds not important. Jinx. Hello, Callisto. How are you? How are things? Kind of sort of moves out of the way so that the newcomer can enter the space. Things things have been going well, but I am here on a matter of distress, and I have been guided to your unholy carnival. He knows I'm ribbing him. Oh, yeah. And he says... 
Yes, but it's nice to see you too. You... You're here about Galindel, aren't you? I don't have a name. How long has it been since you talked to Granny? I know you're her favorite, but... Well, second favorite, but she barely talks to me these days. Mein God, must have been months? Yes. He's, oh, it... he's out. It's out. Granny, or... yeah. I just held him here. Granny let him out. You take it up with her. I guess you weren't important enough to know. But since you're here, this. Bring your cards. Bring your cards here, Callisto. Pull out my pack of tarot cards, sit down. Um, I, uh, I'm gonna snuff out all the candles and then light them um, in a more purplish color. This is taking a bit. What are you guys doing? I'm talking to Dayfair. That's, that's yeah. your name? We rode in on the same wagon, right? Or the same... Yeah, yeah. I can only imagine you were just talking about yourself the entire time. I would imagine he asked one question about you in the beginning. And then that was it. Related it to you and... How exactly. He was like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I've been there. I was there when I did this. And then that's been the majority Where have you been? I was in the Mariana Trench. The Mariana Trench. Oh, gods. That reminds me, this one time, and it's just that for the entire conversation. What are you? Uh, Some kind of fish hybrid. Delightful. Linus has absolutely taken this opportunity to melt into the background, and he's just a fixture on the wall in the corner. Um, and he's just kind of taking everyone in. He doesn't really know what to think. Jinx has been gone for several days, and probably in the style of Jinx... Didn't really explain why that why they were gonna leave and um so I'm getting Linus's actually can Linus roll an insight check on Jinx as to whether his whole like oh I didn't summon them here thing if that's true or not yeah I guess he doesn't know more than what's going on at the moment certainly can uh that's a that's a seventeen for insight okay. On a 17, it's high enough to know that, and you've, you've seen him for about five years, even though he's a good liar, he's fucking exhausted, and you see, you can sense that the wheels in his head are turning to what end, you, you've never fucking known with him, but he seems that this arrangement of you four is unexpected, and he's trying to turn it to something bigger. Yeah, so Linus uh, yeah, gets that sort of sense that Jinx knows more than he's letting on. Um, so, uh, Demir doesn't change a whole lot, but he's a little uh, he's a little irritated and wants to get to the punch. Um, but he but he stays silent and allows everyone to kind of fill the space and do their things so that he can just kind of exist in the background. 
I'm setting up Tarot. I'm just gonna ask, who is the rest of these loud ones? Hi, Dayfair. Pleasure to meet you. I was not asking you. Rude. It immediately just turns back to Corvus, and I think at this point has probably pulled out like a scroll and is trying to work out like your star chart. So he's asking a bunch of questions. So what? What? Sorry, we were talking about your birth. Was it traumatic? What was your, What was the moon like? I just I'm just like glaring daggers at Dayfair right now. Just like I'm already getting these like impressions that like I'm not to. That's not that I don't trust him more than like he's just gonna. He's trying to cheat me out of something. He's asking all these questions for some nefarious reason. Top, top. What's your star sign? Let's go. Oh, I don't even remember what I put for that. It's funny because Henley said you guys needed birth signs for campaign two. Oh, but okay. Was it campaign two? Okay. This is just this is just day fair. This is not related. This is not applicable to anything else. This is just day fair being an astrology boy. My star sign. Is that what you said? Yes, the large sparkly things in the sky that oh, dictate our every are. move and emotion. You, thank you for assuming I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe you were underwater and you couldn't see them. That's yeah, the I, I kind of. I do uh, kind of just like tilt my head and like back and forth. I'm like, you know, you're, you're not wrong. But I don't live my life entirely underwater, Dayfair. I'm a Sagittarius, I say. Kind of quiet. Just without even looking, he just snaps. Excellent. You're like laying down cards as you're saying this. <laughs> yeah. Kind of giddy. Even though. <laughs> Stone face, but like peaked. 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 But. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're just going to spit on this one. So. Callisto, you lay the Hierophant in reverse in the past, Judgment in the present, and the world in reverse in the future. Three major arcana. It doesn't take an expert to know, like, shit's fucked. I think this is tied to what Zeraith and Queen has been telling me. There's upsets in the natural order. Jinx on his fingertips. Yeah. That's exactly what she's been talking about. <laughs> As he's saying this line, as you're like, bitch is lying. About Jinx. But... Things have been fine in Germany. What is going on in these islands? At this moment, everyone canonically holds their questions till the end, and Jinx takes a piss, and while he's pissing out the door, he proceeds to give you guys the general summary I put in... Letter Kenny at some point, and you guys get caught up on the major plot points of the campaign. Do you want one of us to narrate? Well, it's a long piss. It's a lot for the. It's it's a pretty long piss. Just imagining uh, Jinx shaking and just like, and that's when that's when Varys Gallandell stepped into the Soul Wind. And now, now they're calling it the Awakening. Because I guess they realize that corruption. Dayfair's like, he sounds like a real stud. 
<laughs> My kind of guy. <laughs> but it basically boils down to the material plane is in danger. You're all rather exceptional individuals. Linus, this is the first time Jinx is actually sending you on a mission, by the sounds of it. And I actually have what comes next kind of prepared, but at this point it's kind of like getting caught up on the major plot points before you guys actually make your way. So once I take this piss, we'll get your initial reactions to what's going on. I love it. Bye, Ori. Bye, piss boy. He's just a piss boy. She was a piss girl. You're a piss girl. <laughs> anyway, tell me about this Ferris Galindo guy. Tell me more about him. Sounds like the kind of guy that goes roller skating with a with a sword in his belt in booty shorts. <laughs> Massive honk. <laughs> his booty sword. For three hundred, he looked pretty good. <laughs> he kept it tight. He did his <laughs> he did his, his daily steps and hydrated. Any other reactions or discussion, at least in this moment? I made a mini in Hero Forge. You made a fucking mini, but you waited till now to get me a backstory. <laughs> yes, I've never been more proud of you. <laughs> uh, Linus's reactions—he just sort of, as the as this is all concluding, he just sort of shakes his head and sighs. And <sighs> war between heaven and hell. Jinx, you get up to some pretty weird shit, but this is this one's different. And you guys are on the side of heaven, yes? We're just here to keep balance. I know, it was a trick question. You know, that shit you're always on about. It is my shit. But, yeah, we're... In Ask Linus, we aren't exactly in a surplus of hands around here. We we had a good group, but we after one of them died, we kind of haven't heard from them since. We had some. Oh, I guess it's time for that to drop. We haven't heard from them in many months now, and they're not the only ones going missing out there. So thank you for can head over to Letterkenny and figure out what all this is about, and he holds up a open letter. Hey, take it, take it. Oh, okay. I took I it. I reach out with Callisto, and <laughs> she takes it just a moment before me, and I just he, he look just over and... Jinx, nope. Just takes it. It's like, this is, this is classified. Linus is really the only one that up to this moment should be reading this. Then why am I here? I need, I need your fours word that you see the bigger picture right now. And you want to make a difference. How big of a picture are we talking? How think, important is this really? I think my picture needs to be smaller. All of Gaia, Dayfair. 
the whole world. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. I'm in. And he's a smaller picture than I was thinking. Yeah, guy is important. It is part of the balance. Jinx, I owe you my life. I have to do this. Linus, your life is your own, but... Yeah. Let's say you... Why the fuck? Lunaloth. Say Lunaloth. Well... If you say no, kind of bring the mood down. Just for right. No, by the, uh... Powers of the Tritons blow the water. I'm here to get down to the bottom of this. Was that a pun? I do not like those. No. Well... I'll... So down to the bottom, not just saying the ocean. Uh, never mind. I do not understand humor. No, 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 that's fine. I, I got it, but no. Day fair. In this moment, as Jinx claps his hands, you have the perception enough to notice this space is definitely magical. And in this moment, you realize this wagon's been moving. I'm all in. You know this. You know me. Come on, Jinx. Um, but wh where are we going? Oh, we're here. And he hands, he hands the letter out to you for him. Finally. Like, uh, take her, take it. Yeah, Dayfair takes it. Good luck. With a wave of a hand, the door smacks open, and it is dark. You hear the sound of rain, a torrential downfall, and you see the lights inside houses uh, built of stone. You see a worked stone lane that the wagon rests on. Um, in the distance, you see different levels of the city stacked onto a hill in the distance, and you get your first sight of the city of Letterkenny. At this point, Jinx, <clears throat> passing off the letter, takes a step out onto the very tiny deck thing on the end of his wagon, and he pulls off one of his many necklaces and tosses it to you, Linus. You catch it. It's a it's a pendant made of obsidian. I take a look at it before stowing it inside of my leather coat. He says, Do not die and use that when it's time. And he turns to take a step off and the second before his foot touches the stone, just a murder of ravens just disperse out into the sky and also in this moment you guys discover that you're sitting in a bear wagon with no furniture just like a normal covered wagon on you see that it's on the side of the street not even drawn by a horse seems abandoned he has to imagine living in the sky filthy I, I, he has well, a Linus puts his, his hood up. Shield him from the Corvus. 
Do you have any uh, anecdotes about being able to fly freely like Jinxo did? I mean, I can fly, of course. <laughs> of course I can fly. Um, I can't I can't make the rest of you fly, though. You're... I, that makes too well, I was saying flying like it's a, it's a hard thing to do. Yes, I assumed we could all fly. Can you not fly? I'm, so, I'm sorry, I can't. You can swim, though. That's water flying, basically. We're all basically. Swimming. I hate that. I was about to say that. Minus takes a look up at the at the rain falling down, splashes on his face. Anyway, um, I can't handle this much silence. Let's. Where are we going? Uh, can you read that thing first? Yeah, let's take a peek at that letter. Um. I'm oh, yeah. this off with no direction. I'm going to write this out. This is exit. <laughs> I'm going to write this out at some point, but it's as you're reading it, you can tell that it is a mixture of a private letter between old friends as well as a situation report in a war. Okay. It is addressed to Jinx, and it mentions you get the personal aspect of this that there are mentions to names of individuals you don't know other than one that some of you at some point or another in your travels saw in a newspaper. But the personal aspect is the author of this is writing about an old group and how things have changed. Um, it speaks of a selfie that lives in Limerick and seems to be playing politics as much as the name that you remember, Merlot, who you all know is now the Prime Minister of England, who inherited a nation with a war at London's doorstep, referencing, of course, France, trying to pass the channel to expand into the country. It goes on to describe how the author has left retirement to help the dreamers. He had been the personal... He was a friend, but seemed to have worked closely with Minister Merlot for many years. But when he assumed the office, all the communication went dark. The author has come back to his home city to investigate why the orcs um, that live in the mountains to the north have stopped attacking the city. Normally unorganized and really not doing anything the watch, the city watch, even with the minimal organization can hold off. These attacks stopped not too long after the awakening south in Limerick. But in their stead, there was this strange rumbling deep below the city. Like, small earthquakes happening at odd times. In closing, almost like an offhand comment, he mentions it's getting pretty hard to find gunpowder now. Find me in the Black Blood District. Rashka. And that's the end. 
Those French can never keep in their own borders, could they? Has anybody been to this town? I haven't been out of the night circus for a while. But the night circus travels. Dayfair has explored a bit. Has he been here? Well, maybe the night circus hasn't traveled here before. Are you mocking me? I was going to make it canon that you never crossed the Irish Sea and the Night Circus never went to Ireland. Cool. For convenience. And racism. Yep. Alright, well, we have to start somewhere. So, <laughs> let's go. And he just casts shape water over his head like an umbrella and is confidently striding in just the direction he picked. With no idea if that's in any way the right direction. Cash just see an eight foot tall furball or are you seven or eight? I'm seven foot eight, so eight feet is what he tells people. Outstanding. You see an about eight foot tall furball just march confidently down the lane. Lissa wraps herself in her bearskin cloak and Follows. You're going to get us lost. Can't be lost. We don't know where anything is in the first place. And I just follow uh, Dayfair. Just not. Just kind of enj enjoying the, the wet weather. As they sort of walk no, away, that's what I like. Linus lingers for a moment. In his lonesome, he pulls the this the obsidian pendant out of his out of his coat. Looks at it as the pellets of rain spatter on the on the surface of it. And he looks up again, letting the, the, the drizzle wash over his face. And just sort of to himself, he says, Do you really think we have a chance? And then he puts the pendant back into his coat pocket. And follows his new comrades. What was that? I said, why do tall people always have the biggest egos? <laughs> it's proportional. Excellent. Okay. Anyway, um, how tall is everyone, by the way? <laughs> Linus is five four, so okay. he's a short king. But then also he's in a party of giants, basically. <laughs> oh no! 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 You are wrong. I have five feet. <laughs> I don't know if I ever made the joke to anyone, but your two tanks are short. You have tiny tanks. <laughs> tiny, tiny tanks. Tank down. Tiny tanks. Tiny tanks. Calista was. 6'5". Oh, excellent. Amazonian. <laughs> Amazon. When, when, we get, when we have to get the throat. tanks new weapons, can we just call it Toys for Tots? Toys for Tanks. Toys for Tanks. Tanks for Tots. Tanks for Tots. Tots for Tanks. T-T-T-T-T. Dayfair has that stupidly high passive wisdom. Does he somehow just end up going in the right direction. So, <laughs> how I would describe this is you're not a city person, but with your passive perception enough, you're able to identify parallels in an ecosystem that exists in a city, and you're able to find game trails, aka just heavily walked spaces, and you find at this point, it's kind of it's still that dark before dawn time. There are not a lot of... You don't see, like, storefronts open. You don't see lights in windows often. But you do see 
in kind of a large, I don't want to call it a courtyard space, but let me let me abstract a little bit first. Letterkenny is a city built like fortresses that were built close enough that they started just building onto each other. This is a rugged stone, rather large city that began at a, not an intersection, but just merchants traveled through here and like most outposts, it grew into this great city. But it was constantly under threat from the orcs to the north and the goblin kin and the hobgoblins to the east. So characteristically it and its people are kind of rough. But you do see amidst these formidable row homes in a kind of courtyard in the... What month is it right now? When did you guys get the letter candy in the canon? Spring. No. Past couple months of summer. It's fall. That's right. It's like just turning to fall. So... Don't try to figure that one out. But you're starting to get a little chilly as you guys are just following this confident Furbolg, and just when you think he has no idea what the fuck he's doing, you round a corner and you see what is clearly an inn um, in this kind of open space. Definitely built later than most of the residential areas around here. Um, it's rather comforting, and you see warm light shining out the front windows of it. If you chose to get closer, you would find a sign um, with a logo made of kind of different merchants' tools or craftsmen's tools, and it's called the Workers' Rest. We can ask them for directions to what did what did this Rashka character say? The Blood District. Uh, Dave checks the letter. I believe it was the Black Blood District. Yes. Ooh. Ominous. We, we could ask for directions, or we could just trust in the stars to bring us there. Honestly, they'll both get us there, I'm confident. Dayfair, do you see the stars out right now? I've got very good eyes, yes. And he's just looking up um, the whole time. There's like one star through a gap in the clouds. It's raining, there are no stars, but he's, he's holding on to it. When you're this tall... Your relationship with the skies change. You gain a, a level of insight that... I'd say the threshold's about... How tall were you again? 6'5"? About 6'6". Six, six. Callista's just gonna walk into the inn. Well, while you're okay. Well, you're still talking. <laughs> I'm 6'7 in heels. Got me. Down. Still <laughs> mutter under his breath. And he's gonna try and squeeze under the door frame, make his way into the inn. Linus also ducks as he walks into the door frame, but sort of mocking Dayfair behind his back. He doesn't have to duck at all. <laughs> I, uh... So as we, like, stop at the inn, I want to take out some of my cartographer's tools and just start jotting down notes about, like, where exactly we are. Maybe make, like, just a quick sketch... Draw a compass, pull out my compass, draw one on the map. You easily achieve this in a downpour with your waterproof vellum and shit. And 
I do that. I just take like they all walk in, but I'm still out like, out there in the way and just like taking like thirty to sixty seconds just doing this and I head on in. You gotta DM at least one session and then you get access to the secret DJ channel. I've DM'd. Don't you have access to the secret DM uh, DJ uh, channel? No. It doesn't count. <laughs> so Despite how early it is, this is a pretty lively tavern. We're not talking balls-to-butt occupancy, but we are talking enough people to be entertained by a morning show. Um, with just a pair of elf dancers shaking tambourines and shit, but it's pretty warm, it's pretty welcoming. Uh, behind the bar, you do see a burly uh, half-orc man in simple clothes and an apron, and he waves to you guys as you pass the threshold. Boy, I get down. Can I order? You. Yeah. Um. What do you have on tap? Mead. Lots Mead of mead. Who works the name? Workers rest. That's that's where you are. Pleasure to meet you, Callisto. You guys easily afford a round of beverages for anyone that wants to drink. You can have a a tea list. Oh, definitely something. He hands you. Excellent. Um, I'll have the green paradise. It's tea. With a lavender sprig in it, because that's like the only thing that grows up here. Like all the entire tea list is all these different names, but it's just all lavender-based tea with chamomile. As uh, as Dayfair drops the list and it's just floating to the ground, kind of snatches it out of the air. Do any of these teas look decent? And by decent, I mean good. You assume it's better than. And uh, you, you don't really go into the cities that the circus has traveled with. You're not really sure how that would go. And everything just sounds exotic, even though you're in, like, a fortress city in Northern Ireland, in the just in the frozen waste. You need help, little one. Just in, like, the most condescending... Does the short people lean? Yeah. Can you read? Like, you know, that kind of... Nah, he didn't say that, but... That name's not gonna stick, though. Uh, do you have schnapps? Fresh from a place that Germany hates. Everywhere. Fucking Dutch. It's Dutch schnapps. Grudgingly drank. Turn to Corvos. Say, those two I kind of get. What is your business with Sphinx? I was only... Fair enough. Well, I hope we all find what we seek. Do not want to be in this part of the world one second longer than I have to. You and me both, my friend. But what is your business, may I ask in turn? Well, the planes... They're... I'm trying to think of how to put this. There's a soul that was at rest that is no longer. I need to turn, return it to where it rightfully ought to be. 
I'm sorry, what is no longer at rest? A soul. soul. What kind of soul? Humanoid. What do you say for a sentient creature in this game? Uh, mortal. Like, oh, a mortal just... soul. That's what oh, I've been using for a blanket curve. It's just mortal yes. kind. Thank you. Yeah. Corvus just tried to like relate a soul that or something that has awoken to what he saw or experienced in the trench, but as soon as he says human, he just like oh mm. interesting. Uh Callisto, right? Yeah. Yes. Well And you you hail from from where? Dutgatz. It's in Germany. It's near that place where that Napoleon fuck is doing all that business. Trying to think. I doubt Corvus would have been all the way near whatever sea borders Germany. The North Sea. The North Sea. Actually, that's a good question. DM, Dad, where would my people live? You would be in the Atlantic. Oh, so maybe. You, I leave it to your discretion, but I feel like, though you're a cartographer, you might not know a lot about the terrestrial kind of locations. Yeah. But I definitely leave that to how knowledgeable Corvos would, like to be I would for this I, trip. Yeah, I would say I'd very rarely go on land, but it's not like I haven't been on land. Well, there's this peninsula north of Germany. We call it Jutland. They like to be called, I don't know, they're the Danish. Denmark. Um, very distinctive. You might have noticed it in your sea travels. Quite possible. I'll have to uh, check my records and like pat like a pack I have. It's just like full of this uh, waterproof paper, for lack of better words. Come on. So I make maps. You see them. Trying to map out the the oceans where folks like. You know, you that is a, can't go. Is a really good skill. Um, don't tell the other one, the loud one, this, but the stars can only lead you so precisely. You definitely heard that. Yeah, he was just having Grandel time tap on his foot, and then just very slowly. Like, from across the inn, across the tavern, <laughs> you definitely still heard it. Yeah. Linus finishes reading the the list of T's, and by the end, he's just getting agitated because none of this sounds like anything that Jinx has ever served him. So he just and he approaches the the bar. He slaps the the menu down onto the bar. Look, we're here on business. Can you direct us in the in the towards the Black Blood District? Music cuts out. No matter how quietly you asked him that. Everyone in the vicinity just stops what they're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. We he like throws a gold piece back to the band. Throws a gold piece back to the band. He's like, yeah, we don't really uh, talk about them around here. But uh, what business do you have over there? I don't think that's your business. Born and raised there, so yeah, it kind of is my business. Something tells me even if I was from around here that these teas wouldn't taste any better. Let's just get down we to the have brass 11. tacks. Just point, 
Just point in the right direction, please. I think you would like lavender. What do you want, money? There... You could tell... Dayfair, obviously, with your wisdom, but Lioness in this vicinity, you see him wince. He just suppressed rage. This guy does not look like he likes being insulted. And he just kind of growls under his breath. Well, uh, it's probably about a few hours march to the west. You can take the main road, but folks have been getting... Look, my ancestors left the warbands for us to get a better life, but... The ones that stayed didn't exactly make it easier for us. And the people around here haven't made us too comfortable. Hell, that's why I opened up this place to try and change that. But you're strangers. Once you get to Black Blood, be careful. Supplies are running low with this war. Tempos are quick to flare right now. For the first time since you guys have met him, Linus cracks like a half smile and he's like, I'm right at home then. And then he, and he quickly resumes his calm nature, turns to all of you and says, let's not tarry. Let's get the hell out of here. Slam my Dutch knots and I hit very generously. You have provided a light spot amidst this dark. As a nation of balance, I commend you. Right. But, uh... As some of you leave, uh, Corvos, you're, you're still standing there. He says, uh, Triton, if yes. whatever your business, there's a tavern in Black Blood called... Blood Black no, no, I, I actually do have something for this, but I forgot the adjective. It was something to do with axe, but he says there is a tavern called the Rusted Axe. If they don't kill you when you walk in, you might be able to find your friend, or at least more info about where he is there. When you say kill me when I enter, do you mean Blackblood or the Inn? Uh... The rusted axe. Well, people might not be happy that you're in the district, but that's not exactly a honest. It's not exactly an honest uh, establishment. Well, my short-term goal is to not make everyone happy, but long-term, so I could care less for them. Thank you for the tip. Anytime. Now, what do you want to do? Linus is trying to leave the tavern and in the, in the direction that he sort of left the, uh, pointed us in. Take the main road west. Yeah, no time to waste. As um, everyone else is leaving the tavern, Dayfair is going to go over to the bartender and put his cup down. That was delightful. Thank you so much. I, my apologies for the little one. I just met him today and he's <coughs> grumpy. Might be the word. Um, anyway, thank you so much. 
much. I appreciate everything he did for us, in spite of his tempo tantrum. Um, two round, and just drop a couple silver pieces on the counter. Trounce out the door. Y'all motherfuckers are outside. It's still pretty heavy rain, and the sun's beginning to climb a little bit, but it's just dark gray and gloomy out. Puddles are filling in the the holes in these lanes, and the, the city's stirring a little bit. Um, when you first arrived, you are kind of the only people out and about, but... Now the earliest workers, um, you, especially you, Dayfair, you can easily hear the bellows of a smith's furnace starting. That's what they use. The uh, city's starting to come alive. Is it still raining? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, then yeah, Dayfair still has his. He's just holding his hand up. Continuously casting uh, shape water to keep himself dry. That's um, a magic for a bog. Afraid of getting wet. Looks this good. Yes. Fucking crap. Why do I try? Would you like to? I can make it a little bigger. Do you want to? Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's like five feet across now. He's kind of like. Have you seen uh, My Neighbor Totoro? No. Just a big fluffy guy holding a big umbrella over all the little people. <laughs> yeah. He makes me I mean, to try to like encompass us. I just like step out of it. It's like I'm fine, thank you. I won't complain. More room for you. Linus hood back up, turns around to the rest of them. If you guys are through with your whatever, we've got quite a walk ahead of us. So let's be on our way. We get on to go. But yeah, Linus just starts heading in the direction that he sort of scribed. Um, and he's doing his best to do what he does best, which is just keep a low profile. Does it seem at all possible that the bartender sent us the wrong way? We'll know we've sent the wrong way if, uh... I don't even know how to describe that yet. We'll know we'll we'll be sent the right way if uh, people just start... Glaring at me specifically intensely. Gave me a tip that, uh... They might not like a triton in the in the Black Blood District. It would be really bad mm. for him if he gave us bad information. Not resort what? to violence right away, uh, my new friend, but I'm not against it. I didn't What's say natural enemy? Give the man a chance. I didn't say anything about violence, but I'm glad you know I was going there. Who might have a grudge against the triton folk? I don't know. Is it Aarakocris? I don't know. <laughs> He's in the crow's nest just throwing rocks at tri- a, a, a flock of Triton in the water, like, go away! You are How do you live under the water? How do you do it? You fly, but underwater! You hit our awning! You fly, it's no wings! <laughs> like, who's your insurance? Can we speak with your captain? Theron's just fucking off somewhere. Theron's like, uh, Loft, I'm gonna need you to take care of these sorts of things. And Loft's like, no, no, I'm gonna let this one play itself out. <laughs> this seems valid. That's the I, right t- move. I told you guys to get insurance. Like, four times. 
Anyway. Um. Yeah, would I doubt I would know if why these people would hate me? And the innkeeper also told me I would do someone I would be looking for was there, and I did I miss that part? Uh, we said we were looking for friends. We're looking yeah. for Rashka. He doesn't know that, but we said looking for a friend. The secret is he's not our friend. We don't even know him. Bum, bum, bum. I don't even know this guy. What if he's hot? Okay, I got it. Three of the players here met Rashka once upon a time. He was Noah's first character, right? Yeah. He was also the, the ancient fucking orc that <laughs> drove the guildmaster around. And that guildmaster is now the prime minister of England. But anyway. Anyway, I, I keep walking around until people start giving me dirty looks. Takes You're a few hours. hours. A couple hours, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it takes a few hours. You're definitely leaving the nicer part of the city. Um, as you're heading west, you're heading away from the city center. Um, effectively just heading downhill in many different ways. Um, storefronts are boarded up. Uh, you actually have to leave the main road and find yourself diverted multiple times by just piles of debris and broken furniture and some broken buildings that have just spilled across roads. My god, we're in York, Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's right. But <laughs> you hear fewer and fewer people are on the streets and they are what was once predominantly human and the typical races you'd see in civilization you are encountering uh, the occasional gnoll, um, lar a large orc once in a while, but mostly uh, half-orcs. Uh, there's no arbitrary barrier between this district and others. It's more just you start to see residences that are much more impromptuly maintained. You see furniture repurposed to different mean ends. Um, apartments on top of each other uh, built into crumbled stone walls that might have once been the defenses of a, a defenses or wall of a city. You hear a banjo in the distance. We really got busted out. Town. I swam up the I swam up a river once and heard them on these little Dingy boats before, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong place. Banjo music intensifies. You hear banjo. Corvo sleeps out like a salmon. <laughs> Maybe your enemy are bears. Oh, we we keep on the road. Uh, it's still awkward between the fellas, the boys, because we just met this morning. We haven't known each other for five years. Yeah, I figured out a way to force this bullshit instead of railroading it. Good luck, bitches. I think um, Dayfair has probably started softly singing um, one of the songs that he commissioned a bard to write about him. Just kind of under his breath. You know, no one, no one has to listen, but he's just going to like... How, much did, all you, over how much did you pay the bard? Oh, entirely too much. Probably, probably like 10 gold. 
Callisto is strongly considering using silence. Says his name a lot for a someone lot. a someone singing it. Fayfair. Fighter of the night fair. Which is kind of the night circus. I don't know. The night fair. He's just kind of humming that under his breath. Like, so we don't hear any oh. words. It's just humming. And then Lana. every now and then he just, he, he'll just go. He only says his name. So he's just like, day fair. Day fair. Like it's his own little theme music as he's walking along. Lana, Come on, you, you know the words. <laughs> day fair. I, I really don't. Lannis, you, you owe Jinx your life. I guess you could say that. I guess it depends on who you ask. Jinx doesn't seem to think so. How have you become indebted to such a colorful character? It's kind of a long story. One that I don't know most of. Make a habit out of interrogating strangers. Yes. You walk in silence for a little bit next to Linus before he just plainly says, I guess you could call me an orphan. Hearing this, Callisto softens up a little. Doesn't say anything, but just helped a lot of orphans. I'm just like sitting here, listening in to all these conversations. I'm like, I can't relate to songs about themselves, or I'm just staying silent because I can't relate. <laughs> still, still looking around for uh, sketchy people, for people who think I'm sketchy. Well, new friend, tell me of your great accomplishments. What have you done? Oh, oh you're well, talking to me. I... <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just too busy looking around. Of course, uh, I'm not talking to little orphan boy. That's sad. <laughs> There's a great many of us under the water, and uh, out of all these people, my my high priest sent me on this mission. I could, You could probably call this my... Uh, biggest achievement so far interesting so you too are kind of a a chosen one by your people i don't like to see it as a chosen one yes a group of chosen on a great mission are you yes. gonna write a song about it no, no, I, you write, I don't you know. wrote that what you were humming, right? You said your name an awful lot. oh no 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 just some bard heard tale of my Incredible exploits, and but they deserved a song. Maybe someday you can be included in it somehow. Um, Keep humming it. I I, I want to remember this for when I'm traveling in the future. I want to I want to be able to say I I met that person. What a truly excellent way to get this man to shut up, because now he's immediately going to stop talking to you and just hum that song. Oh, of course. Any, anything for a fan. <laughs> I don't want to bring the mood down. But I want oh, to reiterate. God, because Jinx sort of glossed over it. I don't... I mean, we have a better account of what's going on now. And a better idea of all that's taken place. But I don't think I stress how many of the dreamers have gone missing. That has worried me too. Not even dead, just gone. 
souls pulled from this plane. The cobblestones on this road that you're walking on begin to shift. You can see some of the buildings crumple a little. Crumple a little bit in flex. And actually, two streets down, you... You hear a few shouts as... Uh, a residence crumbles about two streets away. Are the tremors severe enough that, like, it causes us to, like, stop or anything? I assume if it's... Oh, yeah. Okay. The shouts continue. The rumbling continues and begins to settle. Um, A few of the individuals in this space kind of looking out of the corner of their eyes at you guys. Once this rumbling stops uh, many of them are running in the direction of the building that fell did we watch it fall or is was it already fallen did we watch it fall a lot of tremors a lot of the buildings okay aren't kept well around here to begin with but whatever this tectonic event that happened under your feet that was referenced in the letter uh was strong enough to topple a building and stop you guys in your tracks. Say we stick to the mission. Less we get distracted by the better. There could be helpless people in there. I agree. Can't just leave them. Yes, we can. Ooh. I don't want to say that I agree with Stefe, but Maybe I don't. Come around. I don't not agree. We're operating on better time as it is. I can catch up. I've got very long legs. If you want to go ahead, I'll save these little ones. And he's he's just already striding off towards the uh, fallen collapsed building. Calista is going to follow, just to do a cursory check, make sure nobody's trapped in rubble. Uh. Same. What's your what's your movement speed, Day Fair? Thirty. Uh, Linus has a movement speed of forty, so just to make a point, <laughs> he just he just starts walking, but his walking speed he just passes Day Fair, gets to the front of the party, turns and just stares Day Fair, just just looking straight up at him, not tilting his head, but just like. Eye strap of him, and he's like, and he's like, "Listen to me. The short stuff's got to stop. Otherwise, I'll let myself get angry." Ooh. I like it. <laughs> I don't know you that well, but you keep it up, and I might like you. Anyway, let's get this over with, so we can move on. <clears throat> And Linus turns around and starts walking in the direction of the building that fell. Adoring fans in the making. It is the wrong way to look at this, Tefe. He just does not react. He's, he's striding over to the building. As we approach the structure, what That's, do we see? Well, the, 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 um, a small group of the individuals that were in the street um, are frantically ripping debris out from this collapsed building. 
Um, you hear a shout. You hear a few shouts from within. A young dwarven boy is pulled out of this, um, covered in scratches, um, weeping, holding his arm. Um, the crowd kind of pulls him aside. Um, they're still pulling. With your perception, Dayfair, you're able to kind of piece what remains of the bones of this building as well as the points that these... Let me roll something real quick. In the heat of the moment, the small group is pulling shit out of this just frantically. No mechanism. And you can tell that if they're unhindered, it might collapse further with the people more inside. Uh, Dayfair's gonna kind of rise up to his full full height. And um, some of that like show and bravo kind of fades away and he gets a little more serious and just bellows very loudly. Stop. I'm here. I'll take care of it. You. That's actually a weak point. Please stop what you're doing. That could be very, very bad. You, I need you to move over there. And he's just giving directions, like, pick that up, move over there, pick that up, move over there. I think I see a foot under there, stuff like that. That's a per- that's a persuasion to walk into this down, these downtrodden people as a stranger towering, literally talking down. Yeah, um, I like insight him and be like, to, to see if I know he's actually fucking talking the talk. <laughs> it... Yeah, you certainly can. You don't know this man's. That's not a great insight. That's a 11. I feel like if you're earnest in this moment, it doesn't take a lot to identify that. No, this is him. He he genuinely want, likes to do good. So this is him genuinely trying to... I wasn't understanding if you were trying to do good or not. I was like... Did he like actually identify like this piece of rubble that someone's tried to clear oh. as like a weak spot? I'm like, is he just like spouting shit? Or <laughs> I was just going off what Jed told me. Assuming. That. Oh, okay. No, the bones of the building. Um, the persuasion was bad. Okay. So I got three. So you're a pretty big guy, and in this group, there's an. <laughs> There is this orc who kind of steps up to you. Three quarters your height, but undeterred. It just kind of jabs you. He's like, who are you? Well, I'm Dayfair. I'm here to heal anyone who needs healing, to right whatever wrongs need to be righted, and to just genuinely spread the joy. I'm going to step in and say, we don't have time for this. We need to do this orderly. So it doesn't collapse on more people. Before... Yeah. You can take a persuasion. This orc just shoves it, shoves this piece of rubble into your arms. Dayfair. He says, well, fucking share the fucking work. And he starts to turn and he's just frantic. The crowd's kind of following his lead. Big guy on campus in these parts. Um, You see it building... A little bit more. 
as uh, as Dayfair is dealing with that, and then that's kind of being the distraction. Um, the real reason that perhaps Linus didn't want to get involved starts to shine through, and his mood sort of softens as he's sitting here watching this, and he starts making his way over to the young dwarven boy that got pulled out of the wreckage. He kind of kneels down. I don't know if there's people like around him or whatever, but he gets as close as he can and kneels down next to the boy. <clears throat> there's an old, old half-orc woman, kind of like, shoo, 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 here, here. And as you get closer and you kneel down, you can see that he's got a compound fracture, arms in one direction, wrists jutting out the skin, um, or hand. I think that's the one I want, but okay. uh, John will tell me if I'm wrong later. Linus kneels down, and uh, he uh, kind of puts like a comforting hand on the on the boy's forehead. Hey, look at me. It's gonna be okay. And then, from with with his left hand, he reaches into the back of his coat and he pulls out a bottle that is a potion of superior healing. Um, and it's got a little tag on it that says that has like a heart and like jinx. Sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, he then is going to try to brute force this bone back into place and pour the superior healing potion on it to seal the wound. Oh yeah, I'll take a medicine check. This is gonna go so poorly. <laughs> yep, that's an eleven. Okay. Yeah. So, what happens? Dayfair, you're talking. You're, you're trying to shout at a crowd. Other things are happening. And you guys just turn because you hear a child just screaming in agony as you're watching. There's one hand on a potion, and you see blood welling up over his fingers. Linus just trying to shove these bones back together. It gets there. You probably did do more damage. This half-orc woman is disgusted by what you're doing at first and, like, is shoving herself away. And then she stops and kind of throws herself at you. You're, you're strong enough to kind of keep her off what you're doing. You bite off the cork. You see the printed label, Tricky Mix, Miracle Elixir. Um, and you pour this into the wound and it does begin to set sacrificing that re resource just turned the situation around a lot I knew and, I was like I have a bunch of superior healing potions I'll just use this yeah but, but <clears throat> it wasn't pretty but the boy my mom's my, my, my mom's still it, it, just holding his arm against them uh with, uh, just kind of stares at him for a second and Linus silently stands up and uh, starts moving into the wreckage and uh, just starts throwing boulders out of the way. There Clista. is. Mm -hmm. is also in the in the fray, trying to clear rubble and waiting for a group of wounded maybe five or six to be near each other and then I'm going to do some magic. But You see Linus just walk up next to you silently and just start heaving some rather large boulders out of the way, despite his small frame. You guys eventually do um, 
assuming Dayfair is still pointing this out and you guys are choosing to believe him, you're able to shell away beneath the collapsed sections of this, uh, the edge of a room. And you're looking kind of into this space. You can still hear the building flexing a bit. And a small animal, like a pet, juts out of this uh, this new uh, opening. Um, just a gray cat fleeing for its life. And you hear a shout. Some members of this group kind of start to make their way and start to try to push themselves past you guys into this opening. Careful. Tread lightly. And I go in after them. We'll just say, like, a. The big orc, way too big to go in here, but there is a... Who would be here? There is a... Knoll man. There's a male knoll in kind of like a workman's outfit and a bearded female dwarf that kind of shove themselves in past you guys and run into this. And for a little bit of reference, this is kind of like an apartment complex size structure that collapsed. Um, there is a second level, though most of it has collapsed in places. But if you're entering, this living space was vacant. You can feel shit flexing above you, and debris is falling, not dangerously yet. But you can hear shouting like deeper in this structure. Try to find an access point to a, the lower level. You guys are practically Avengers. You're level 13. How would you guys tackle in a skill challenge rescuing the people in this space whilst keeping it from collapsing on yourselves and those inside? Uh, I kind of want... I was kind of saving this for combat, but I'll do it. I think Dayfair's contribution hadn't properly and appropriately chastened um, is hanging back and probably providing aid to whoever they pull out. So, medicine. What? Watch your ears. So this building is collapsing down on you guys. You know there are several people inside and two others have jumped in to aid you. You're on the first level in one side of this building. What do you want to do? Linus, being quick and small and agile, his he's using his uh, winged boots to... Uh, anytime larger parts of the structure from above start to collapse more, he'll like fly up and try to like knock like large chunks of stone out of the way, or hold up like certain portions just long enough for people to like get in and get whatever they need and get the hell out. Um, I don't know what athletics. Kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, athletics with the advantage of the boots. I'd say without, damage. yeah, without quantifying a magic item. Uh, it's a sixteen. Yeah, that's. 
<clears throat> it's it's narrow going in some places, but you kind of just follow the lead of the people that may have been residents here, and they're ripping doors off, and a support beam is starting to buckle, and you fly in and put your shoulder in and shove it up, and a family of halflings runs out of this collapsed doorway. Now, now, as I'm, like, struggling under the weight. That's one success. Will you let me use my shield of faith as a way to bolster any beams that are starting to collapse? Actually, what I'll do is... I have fire lever spells. You want me to burn that? Well, that's up to you, because spells... It's your casting roll plus the spell level, so you can kind of spend what you want. But yeah, you can certainly try that. Okay. Uh, what level do you want to cast Shield of Faith? I'm going to cast uh, Shield of Faith at a level 2. <laughs> Wow. So, so wisdom check plus two. Yep. Uh, that's like a twenty-nine. Oh yeah, that's fucking plenty. I imagine this is shadows, but how do you bolster the weak points in this building from where you are? You step out confidently into a hallway that's collapsing, and you see your new companion straining under an awning as a family crosses. So shadowy, um energy streaks with golden red and purple bits of sunlight start filling in some of the cracks of the ceiling start to forming a, kind of a protective barrier um, on the ceiling as it's collapsing um, and yeah just light from the sun and the evening star kind of in this <laughs> inky black shield void it's very, all I can think of is very Raven from Teen Titans, but yeah. where the cracks are is light is just poking through, shining like yeah. the sun. But this hallway is just blanketed in this energy, um, passing you, Linus. Uh, you see it kind of spreading up a stairwell and strengthening that part of this building. Um, you hear more shouts from above, and you accrue another success. Um, I look up to where those shouts from above came from. What do I see? Um, if you want to follow them, you run through this dark hallway and you find a stairwell strengthened by your, uh, your cleric companion's yeah. magic. So I'm just like sprint and throw yourself into the wall and you're staring up into a stairwell into the level above. But I can't see like where the shouts like I can't see the people shouting up there. It's just I know you it's can from up see there. you can see the it was like screaming for help or something or there are it's a combination of screams for help as well as the two volunteers from the crowd. You see the I think I said a null woman. No, it was a a female dwarf. She's at the f top of the stairs shouting to people you don't see from this point of view. Like, we gotta go! Now! 
there's a crash above and you hear a child shout out. I want to run up and see where that crash came from. I had an idea, it's just uh, what I'm seeing so far is not uh, working with what I had in mind. Alright, I'd say you're able to get <clears throat> up onto the landing. It's another similar... It would be another long hallway. But you can see the ceiling has buckled down in. You can see some of the apartments. But down at the end of the hallway, you can see that it's given way and collapsed. Okay. Into a very, not large hole, but it's just rubble. Um, most of the shouts for help are coming from the end of the hallway. I go to the end of the hallway. It's rooms collapsed in on themselves. Um, how would you clear the rubble or... Oh, it's coming keep... from the, like the other side of the... Yeah, I guess rubble. the the shit collapsed and the hallway is cut off and you know there's people on the okay. other side that are trapped. Gotcha. That was a better description. Yeah. Kind of like the hole was like on the opposite side of this hallway and I could just go to the hole. And um... But in the hallway that you're at, some of the rooms have collapsed in on themselves and the door frames are buckled and like you can see an arm kind of grabbing out from behind one of them. Um, bloodied and cut up. If anyone who hasn't gone wants to go, go ahead, because uh, I just uh, lost my train of thought. What did you want to do this turn to contribute to the success of your party? I was going to use my uh, my living net for one of two things either use it to catch debris as it's falling and let people escape or to go up and find someone trapped in a room and literally throw them over the side in the net and lower them down to the ground but i see no people and i see no falling debris you can so, kick through you can cook you can kick through the, the door frame and get into a living space but it does crumble behind you as you enter and there's a small Orc child. Like, who are you? Uh. <laughs> Your worst nightmare. <laughs> Stab. All, all freedom all from this life. heard was the orcs are bad people and just. <laughs> um. No, Corvus doesn't believe in that. Um. Uh, as the it collapses behind me, I can't get out now. Yeah, but I just I try to it, look around. It the opens room. Is there to a the window? Air. Is there, okay, yeah. I just, yeah, no, it, it's the outer wall is collapsed, and you can see the street below. I just look right and like right in my right in the eyes. I'm like, dude, I'm here to save you. you. You need to trust me. As I like pull out this net, like as like not menacingly, but like I'm just like getting it out real quick, and I'm like, I like lay it. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna lower you to the ground, okay. Quick, 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 and like, just like, as I kind of throw it and see how he it's, reacts. He, he, this kid's scared and just like takes off away from you. He's never seen something like you before. Can you give me, bear with me, give me an attack roll? As he's kind of like running away, um, clearly in the direction of a fall. This will be a. Oh, 24. Oh, yeah. 
The kid like trips while running and you snag him while he's in the air and your net extends out. He vanishes over the edge, but you hear shouts like, hey, we we got him. We got him. Oh, that's a third success. Day fair. Um, you find yourself in this building on the first floor. Let's say, am oh, I, I big enough? Myself to, out. Am I big enough to go in? I mean, am I small enough to go in, or am I too big? Able to fit. Okay. Um, you're able to figure it out. Yeah, I'm able to cram myself in there. Because if I wasn't, what I was going to do was um, cast conjure animals. Still do that. And yeah, I'm looking at the challenge rating for right now. Alright. So for For using bear with me, for using it in a skill challenge, tell me what level you want to cast it and what animals you want to use. You don't have to get that specific in a skill challenge. Yeah, so I was thinking um Four. Let me see. Hold on. I should have done this. Four. Yes. Buckle up, Todd. Dairy every session. Dairy every session. Okay. Challenge rating. Let's go with. I wonder if like a monkey of some kind. Uh, I don't see many monkeys. All right, don't worry. You want apes? Yeah, I want apes. But I, I you want apes? Don't apes. worry about it. What level do you want to cast it at? Half rating. Okay, I found it. Um, I want four. So four beasts to challenge rating cast. All right, is that just a level three spell? Yeah. Casting. So I'm just sending. I summon these beasts kind of out of nowhere because I I don't I weigh like a lot and so I don't really trust myself going into this building um, so I chat I summon these small apes and send them into I figure they can traverse the building much safer than I can can you give me a wisdom check plus three 32 <laughs> level 13 characters I have plus 11 to, well was that a saving throw or just a check it's just a d20 plus your wisdom plus three. Oh, then uh, just 26. Yeah, it's, uh, you still pass as these four apes sprint in. Some of them climb up into the upper level. Um, you guys see them sprint by, grab, like, one grabs a child, starts climbing down the outside. Um, two <laughs> fucking do acrobatics and keep a door frame open as some more people run down the stairs. Um, that's four successes in the first round. And um, if anyone looks like particularly hurt or dire, um, I would. I will probably ready uh, healing word as uh, I'll get the bonus action. So I'll ready that in case anyone looks like they really need it. All right. Um, Ace in the back card, because he wants to redeem himself. For the only reason you can't is because, for the purposes of this, you can still only cast one leveled spell, and preparing it would break your concentration on your apes. 
Because to hold a spell is to cast it. Um, but what happens is, I need everyone to give me dexterity saving throws as this building crumbles a bit. Oh. Oh. Three. X. Twelve. Does that fail? Oh yeah, twelve fails. I'm gonna use Three. my indomitable and try to reroll that. It looks like Noah's little face. Three. Uh, it's gonna be a seventeen instead. You are just gonna pass. Indomitable! Actually, you don't just pass, but you're pretty damn close to that. I got a 22. Wait, what? Oh. <laughs> if you got higher than a 16... If you got higher than a 16, you take 30 damage. If you rolled less, you take 60 damage. Oof. My god. You guys are blowing through successes on not a hard challenge. This is a lot of shit falling. My brother in Christ, why would you do this to us? For some reason, Dayfair takes the damage. Though he's standing outside. I was gonna say, wait, I thought Dayfair was inside. You yeah, feel the pain of your apes as some are crushed. Oh. You feel the pain of your ape companions. Dayfair's just such an empath that when Did he saw his two friends taking damage. <laughs> Yeah. Did two of you fail though? I failed. So two? Yeah, that that retracts one success. No, three failed. I mean, three passed. One failed. Three passed. All right, it's neutral. Top of the round. What do you guys want to do? Some of you are pinned a bit by debris. You feel like most of the people are out of this building, but there's definitely some people tucked away. Um, as I'm, as I, and even though I'm trying to dodge what's going on and I'm taking some, some damage, um, I'm still struggling to hold this, this beam up. Um, I'm going to use second wind to give myself some hit points. And then also as like my, like, I'm just trying to reinvigorate myself to continue to hold up this support beam. bolster yourself okay. just to kind of you won't gain or lose but you can take this turn to help yourself I mean I'm, right. just, I'm just trying to think of things that I can do to help because I, I really don't have a lot of stuff that I can do um you could nearby you hear the shout of a family and they're pounding against the wall next to you you feel like this, the materials to build this are not sh too strong. You could cut through them. Uh, I will. I mean, I'll take that all day. Yeah, make an attack roll. <clears throat> Man, things aren't going great for me tonight, guys. Uh, that'll be a 13. I think that's the first failure, but... I think, Callisto, you do see as Linus just shoves one shoulder, one last shoulder in, and you see it kind of buckle upward, and he drops down and just draws two swords and starts slashing through this wall. Uh, but 
just taking out weird chunks, not getting anywhere. So four successes, one failure. Heavy damage at the end of a round. Um, are we? Is there an order, or are we just kind of going willy nilly? It's it's pretty free, free form right now. Um, has anyone we pulled out looked rough? Yeah, everyone. Everyone. Um, can I? I just have like Dayfair's main thing is medicine. So mm -hmm. can I go like as I'm outside? Can I just try and care for the the people we've pulled out? Like you know, just kind of triage. Yeah, you can medicine check them. Yeah. Bench. Exact same roll. Uh, twenty-three. You're able to. <clears throat> You're not even necessarily treating in this moment. You are assessing a critical situation. And you're, you see the most hurt people and you push them to the kind of old orc woman that's starting to work on them. But the others you just send right back into the debris. <clears throat> and the combined effort of some of the survivors, as well as your party, you guys get your fifth success. You have beaten this challenge. How would you guys like to get the hell out of here? I'm. It's kind of like one last round. You're gonna get out, but we're gonna see how bad it goes. Bad or good, it this goes. I. How how long is the drop? Like how far did I go up? About fifteen feet. It's not a lot, but there's just a lot of shit. They're like there. a building across from me. Oh yeah. Long how jumpable. Far away. Long jump. Long jumpable. Okay. I uh, I use a point of channel divinity to use nature's wrath, and I make vines like sprout up the side of the building. Okay. It's and if if you'll let me do this, like it's supposed to grapple a target, but I just wanted to like hug the building and go up the side. Yeah, no, you can do that. Give me a charisma check and add your proficiency modifier. Okay. It'll be ten feet of vines, if so. And then I just long jump and try to grapple, just like grab onto the vines and start climbing down. Uh, what was the roll again? Charisma plus, it's a proficient charisma roll. Okay. If you guys uh, never pick that up, if you use resources like that, I use the proficiency modifier. Oh, yeah, 19. Yeah, you're able to successfully get the hell out of there. The way I see it, I'm still in the first room because I was doing Shield of Faith. The you're whole in the main. You're in the main hallway. Yeah, I'm gonna try to use the hilt of my mace to try to pry the thing off my leg. Are you proficient in athletics? Let me see. I don't think so. Then it's gonna be a strength check. Straight strength. Uh, that's a 16. You just are able to pry this debris off of you and free yourself and you make your way for the exit. I, I'm holding my shield over my head as I do. Coom, 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 coom. Shit falling. Once I get out there, I start tending to the wounded. Linus, it's kind of just you still trying to hack through this door or hack through this wall. You... That's seeming pretty futile. 
Linus, you once again find yourself I, I think I know you're going in a situation to save or protect someone who can't do it themselves. Yeah, so Linus is, has been just berating this door with these swords and it's not going well and if you guys were close enough close enough you don't you don't you'd be able to see like as he's just trying harder and harder tears just welling up in the corners of his eyes as he hears Jinx's voice pounding oh. in his head saying don't die and right at the moment where he's thinking maybe it's time to flee this just intense fire burns in the backs of his eyes as he's going to bonus action rage and give in to the voices in his head and with just brute strength he's going to try to rip this door off of its hinges um because i think with what you're actually doing is ripping into the wall just stow your blades and punch no yeah you're packing through drywall you kind of put your swords away can you give me see how good this goes you get advantage on strange things when you rage yeah so you did not use athletics last turn you can do it again with advantage um it's gonna be an 18. yeah those of you outside who don't see this the ground you hear heavy impacts just and parts of the structure begin to collapse further um and what you see coming out of the debris is Linus holding um, a half, two half orc toddlers just under his arms, just explode out this outer wall as the rest of the building crumbles. And he's just there holding these two children in his arms uh, in the street. At first, it looks very heroic. But once he's clear of the building, you see him very quickly drop these two children, and he just sort of, like, kind of sprint, like, half, like, on all fours, like, just getting away from them as much as possible, until he lands, like, maybe ten feet away from them, just in the dirt somewhere. He just is, like, kneeling on the ground, just both hands on the sides of his head, just, like, gripping and just, like, shuddering as he's trying to fight off this rage. And I think our letter Kenny tale will stop in this moment. And what music is going to play? Please stop that. Not that one. Also not that one. I think this is the music I want. So as our <clears throat> troop hours earlier throw themselves into the cla- a collapsing structure in the Black Blood Ward, far from here, and several months prior to this, Varys Gallandale, 
You sit in this gray space with the specter of Jinx Morrison, listening to the deal that you have just struck. <clears throat> and Jinx says, well now, and as he's about to speak, there's a knock at the door. And Jinx says, turning even grayer in this moment. I guess she has her own deal for you. And he freezes in place. The door behind you opens, and though your back is to it, you see shadow spread out past you. And this space, the interior of this spectral wagon, just seems to stretch and stretch. And you feel like a small child, unaware of what or who stands behind you. I think Varys, recognizing that this is something much greater than himself, just stands up, turns around, and kneels. What stands behind you, towering unreasonably tall, what appears to be a woman in a long gray robe with a veil over her face. She holds her arms out and feathers begin to rain as you're kneeling of various colors. What do you do? Um, you want me to pick one, but not say which color? Well, I'm, I'm retconning that to give player autonomy. Oh, so what okay. are you doing in this moment? But if you pick a color, don't say it right now. because I, um, I think he was not at all. He was just kind of accepting whatever his fate was. Um, so just recognize this great force. It was just kind of you know, supplicating before them, whatever comes may come. And so he's looking down and these feathers start falling and tumbling around him. And he just slowly looks up. <laughs> He'll just bow his head um, and pick up one of the feathers. As you pick up one of them, she reaches down, her hand just seeming to expand larger and larger as it enters your view. And blackness. We see Limerick. We see the city of Limerick, the various islands floating around the now greenish maelstrom that is the primal rift of air. <clears throat> On one of these islands, there is a home. We see an elven toddler, a boy pushing a toy, like a wooden cart. One of the wheels on this cart begins to pulse, a light blue. The boy seems surprised. All throughout this city, other odds and ends table legs straightened by a stranger, wheels 
placed correctly. Baltheo Stormhall. Could you give me a Tinker's check? I miss, I miss Baltheo. Oh, 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 oh. Where the hell's my character sheet? <laughs> yeah, it should be under the Isle, Infernal Isles. Party, okay, Ugh. sorry. I forgot to level up Willow, I'm sorry, I'll do it. That's okay. Yeah, John. Oh, yeah, take it off. It's not okay, no. Tinker's Tools. That is quite the modifier there, my friend. Uh, it's going to be a 28. So, we have these cuts of various odds and ends that Balthiel, in his grief, had repaired. But we once again see the islands circling the maelstrom, and we see these tiny threads of light blue energy rising up from the many homes and places that people frequent, joining into the soul wind. Next, we see a garden planted by a friend where a home, a childhood home, once stood. Willow. I believe you used plant growth. Could you give me a wisdom check plus three? There he is. There they are. Flat wisdom check. Oh, <laughs> 23. I rolled a natural 19. It's no 28. <clears throat> we see this garden begin to glow green like an aurora. And it begins to flourish out of season, though autumn is coming and the leaves are turning brown and falling in many other places, this garden begins to flourish. And now we once again see Limerick, the islands floating, joining these gre these blue threads that kind of piece together across the maelstrom like a, a network just flicks like lightning, but so structured and orderly and perfect. We see green spectral vines growing from this central island, joining into the soul wind. As these green lights are glowing, we see a monument to a fallen friend. Created from divine metal <clears throat> in this garden. Gardor, I believe you used a Forge Cleric Channel Divinity to construct this monument. Could you give me a wisdom check plus your proficiency? Oh yeah. So, in a normal resurrection, you know, where we haven't played for fucking two years and I got overly attached to these characters and made a plot that's way too fucking big, these three successes would make the resurrection process simpler with a role I'm about to do. For the purposes of this, this determines how shitty the timeline got in the time that's passed. 
So you guys just made a better world if I roll higher than a 10. I rolled a 13. <laughs> yeah. We mattered. You mattered. But your monument of divine metal begins to glow gold. Glow, glow, glow. And it begins to melt, running down the stone. These, this golden metal seeps into the ground and joining that green... Oh, wait, I actually have the right song for this one. Joining that green and that blue in the maelstrom above, this golden metal kind of drips out from the base of the island and flows downward. And these three colors are conjoining. These three colors are joining, running down this massive maelstrom and turning into this white white hot light at the base of this and Corvus what you had seen Golgori marching in lines carrying clay though you're not here to see it its purpose is clear at the on top of this hillock beneath the base of the soul wind is a clay um not figurine Effigy. There is a clay effigy in this hill surrounded by a ring of chanting elves in brown. This white energy flows and spirals down, and this effigy begins to glow. Cracks appear across it, and Varys Gallandell, you you draw breath in this moment. I just kind of look around and see everybody. As you stand, a big, a big smile creases my face. As you stand, the green light appears in the grass around you, and you feel magic and join your form again. As you feel the hand of your changeling companion on your shoulder in this moment, though not there. Gaia has given you strength once more. The blue light flows down and it, like a spider web, glows across you and your armor is constructed by the magic and care of your Warforged companion. And last you see this golden energy spiraling down and forming up out of the ground, you see a long sword to your fashion grow from this divine metal. The light begins to fade. You stand here, 
We'll get into more about what you look like next time. But last three smaller maelstroms jut out above your head and land. And what spins into shape, you see the tall frames of three forms. You know these as just the collected consciousness of something given form. As Todd, Noah, and Chris, the forms of might, mercy, and magic. No, mind. It was mind, sorry. The the forms of might, mercy, and mind appear to stop you, Varus, from leaving the soul wind. And we'll pick that up next time on Letterkenny. Holy shit. That was really cool. (laughs) I'd forgotten all that stuff that we did in the aftermath of... Yeah, we did some good stuff. Yeah. Where have my friends gone? You'll yeah, never listen, guess. Listening back to that, it's like a very sweet, like poignant moment afterwards. Oh my god. Really nice. Oh my god. Balthiel, I've been sitting on that shit for months. When Balthiel, like, the end of the Feywild thing, Balthiel's gonna be like, Willow, like, I think we've kind of finally come closer, and like, I've forgiven you for all the things that happened in the past, and like, everything that happened because of our little jaunt into the Feywild, like, they brought me a lot of closure, and then like we get back and Varys is like, "I've been waiting for you guys." Like, what the? Like, what the hell is my friend? <laughs> I will never forget how. You guys. How I really want that to happen. If it happens, I'm gonna come.